you know, I've always told kids, hey, look, if you have an opportunity to go be an All-American somewhere, even if it's at a smaller school, go be it. Leave your leave your footprint on that university because the, the, the network that you establish and the credibility that you have, the experience that you have will be unlike any other and it will it will uh, stay with you for a lifetime. Welcome to Sauce Talk, a podcast about sports and the mind and living well in general. This is Billy Hansen, and today's episode is going to be an interview with Rex Grainer. Rex is the founder and owner of the company Student Athlete Showcase, which is a company where he helps athletes connect with college coaches in the recruiting process in the attempt of finding the best fit possible and the best experience possible at the college level. I'm really excited to have Rex on the podcast. Rex was of great help to me. Rex and his company was of great help to me when I was a high school athlete. I felt very overwhelmed during the recruiting process for most of my high school career, and it was a stress that weighed heavily on me and my family for many years, and we spent money on other recruiting services, and we spent a lot of money and time flying all over the country and driving all over the country to different expensive camps and showcases. And until I had an organized plan and until we had some real guidance, it felt like we were just kind of wandering around in the dark. And I really do attribute the connection I made to Regis University partly due to the help that I got from Rex and his company. So I'm really stoked to talk to Rex today. Here we talk about Rex's background as an athlete. We talk about the formation of his company why athletes need to market themselves, especially athletes who are not you know, the, the kind of superstars that are already getting great attention from all kinds of different schools and universities. We talk about the uncertainties of recruiting process during COVID-19, and I think it was great getting Rex's perspective on this because I know personally some athletes and their families who are, you know, they're seniors in high school or they're going to be seniors in high school and the virus and the uncertainty around the upcoming sports seasons has made the recruiting process all the more stressful. So it was good getting Rex's opinion on that here. We talk about transferring and how transferring can be really tempting, but that there are often benefits to toughing it, toughing it out in a difficult situation and staying at the school that you're currently at. We talk about paying for camps and showcases and how helpful they actually are in the recruiting process. We talk about the friction between status and fit during the recruiting process. And then Rex gives his three primary components of the college experience for an athlete and talks about how you should try not to sacrifice any of those if you can help it. So we recorded this about a month ago. I've been on vacation in Oregon, and so I've stopped spending time editing and recording podcasts for a while. So it's going to sound a tiny bit dated. We didn't go into any of the recent controversy surrounding the NCAA and their decision around college football and the decisions surrounding college basketball this coming year. But it's still relevant to you know many anyone who's interested in recruiting or especially those who are going through the recruiting process. If you're interested in checking out Rex's services or if you're interested in contacting Rex, you can find a link in the show notes to this episode at billyhanson.net forward slash podcast. And there you'll find his company webpage. And if you're if you know someone who's being recruited or if you're in the recruiting process, I suggest that you check them out because 
I really do trust the product that he's putting out there, and he's a you know very high integrity person who has a a great product and service that he can offer. If you like this podcast and you want to stay up to date with my work, you should consider subscribing at billyhanson.net forward slash newsletter. And that's really the best place to stay in touch with what I'm doing as I'll send out content announcements and other content there. You can also help me out by leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And I really appreciate the support. So without further delay, here is Rex Grainer. Rex Grainer, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I will, I think I'm going to do a kind of extended intro just to describe our relationship, talk a little bit about how I came in contact with your company and why I've come to trust you and your company so much and and why I've recommended you so widely to other athletes. But let's just start with how you got into this space. How did you first come across the idea of starting this company? Yeah, so you know, I, I was a baseball player in college. Uh, I think we've we've talked about that a little bit. Um, you know, my own experience growing up in a small town in, in California, from a college recruiting standpoint, you know, was not ideal. I, I didn't have college coaches beating down my door, um, and, and so I, I learned early on that I had to be proactive with this. Of course, you know, my my folks they did the best they could. You know, I, we'd never been through this process before. My my high school coach actually played at the Division One level and played some professional ball, but you know his contacts were limited. Long story short, I got really lucky and um, was able to kind of talk myself into a, a spot onto a Division One roster as a walk on. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, uh, I, I was very very fortunate to be a part of a nationally ranked program for a couple of years, but the writing was kind of on the wall. I, I wasn't getting any playing time. In fact, I tell kids and parents to this day that on a depth chart of 10 pitchers, I was number 11. So, I mean, that sort of tells you how much playing time I was getting. And after a couple of years there, they sat me down and they said, Rex, we love having you here. You're, you're part of this family. You work harder than anybody out here. Uh, but the reality is, is, you know, uh, you, you're probably not going to get the pitch that much over the next couple, you know, your junior or senior year. So I had a choice to make. Uh, one was to stay and accept my limited role. The other was to leave and, and uh, you know, be a more, um, uh, you know, regular starter, if you will, at, at, at a Division three program, um, a program that was probably more commensurate with my ability level. And I chose the latter. I chose a transfer. Uh, it was a very, very difficult decision for me. Because I loved it at uh, at this school, uh, but I made a baseball decision mm-hmm. and elected to transfer to a Division three school. Um, and I, I played my two years and and hung them up, as they say. And uh, getting back to your question about how I got my start, and I know this is the uh, sort of roundabout long answer here, but I went to grad school. I came back home to Southern California. I started to coach a travel team, and of course, all of the players and parents would come up to me. Um, and say, hey, you know, how do we do this? We want to, you know, my son wants to play in college. You know, what, what do we need to do to, to make that happen? And honestly, Billy, I, I was not that far removed from the process myself. And so I didn't really have a great solution in place other than to sit down with each young man and kind of map out a strategy. Okay, you know, here, here's where you are now. Here's where you want to get to. 
How are we going to get there? And I, I literally, you know, applied some basic marketing principles to their, you know, the college recruitment experience. And um, I saw, started to see some results. And, mm. you know, two or three seasons later, and every single one of these kids that wanted to play in college uh, ended up having the opportunity to do so. And I, I just, I found my passion. I found what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And that turned into a business plan. And that business plan turned it into the, uh, you know, the launch of Student Athlete Showcase in, in late 2002. Nice, nice. So when I was a high school athlete, and I was going through the ranks, and I was having quite a bit of success at uh, my, my small high school, you know, breaking some local records, playing well, making all league teams in both baseball and basketball, I received conflicting advice from people in the community. Some people said, if you're good enough, they'll, they'll find you, you know, just focus on your, your craft and your game and when enjoying your high school career and it'll fall into place. I had other people saying, you need to go market yourself. You need to put together a highlight film. You need to reach out to coaches. And honestly, I really wanted the former to be true. <laughs> it felt a lot better sure. just to think that, yeah, well, you know, that I'm just going to play really well. I'm going to, you know, get my shooting percentage up. I'm going to hit some more home runs this year and somebody, the phone will start ringing. But as the years yep. went by, my dad and I, my family and I, my dad especially, we got anxious because I was playing well and the phone wasn't ringing and nothing was happening. So I want, maybe you can just talk a little bit about this question. Like, you know, why, why do athletes need to be proactive in marketing themselves if they want to not only, you know, potentially earn a scholarship, but find a a healthy fit at the next level, somewhere where they will be happy and fulfilled? That's a great question. And I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head uh, right there about finding the right fit hmm. and, 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 and truly finding an opportunity that's going to fulfill you, not just athletically, but academically and socially. Um, mm -hmm. the, the, the old adage, you know, if you're good enough, they'll find you. I think that it dates back a few years, right? It, it's it's sort of a product of how things used to work, hmm. and and in you know even growing up, um, you know there were there were kids that were, you know, extremely talented, and, and college coaches knew who they were, and so th there was a time when I think that was prevalent. Hmm. The, the 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 difference though is that, I mean, what it comes down to is a numbers game, and and and. For that young man or young lady who is an elite prospect and, and you know, one of the top, uh, you know, athletes in their state, that, that adage might hold true, you know, yeah. because college coaches are going to know about those kids. But we're talking about the other 99.5% of the other kids, yeah. right? And, and, and the reality here, Billy, is you've got 8 million kids playing high school sports in the United States these days, hmm. okay? So you got a lot of kids. And at the college level, there, there's only about 500,000 roster spots at, at, at four-year colleges. Okay, so if you just start to do the math, for the amount of kids that are playing in, in sports in, in high schools here in the U.S., only about 6% of them um, are, are going to be afforded the opportunity to play in college. That means 94% of those kids will not. Yeah. Okay, so if you want to break it down even further, only a third of those playing in college, which amounts to about 2% of the high school athletes out there, are playing at the Division One level. So, again, we're talking about 
uh, you know, difficult odds here. Mm-hmm. Okay, what this all means is, sure, there's going to be elite kids that surface and that everybody knows about them. And if you've got a, you know, a, a, a young man that, or, or you know, a young lady who's uh, you know, a softball player and who's getting it up there in the into the upper 60s. You know, there's obviously going to be college coaches that know uh, who this young lady is. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you've got a, uh, you know, a kid who's 6'10 and, and you know, dominating high school basketball, then, then, then obviously there's going to be some some college coaches that, already know who this this young man is because they they know who the the elite the best players are in the country yeah but for everybody else it means that just because you're a really good like you were you know you're an all-conference all this all that setting records just because you're that level student athlete doesn't mean that you're going to get the college recruiting attention that you deserve yeah yeah all right, and so that so so that means you and your parents, you have to be very proactive with this process, right? If we're just looking at the numbers here, you have to be very proactive. Okay, if your dream is to play whatever, you know, soccer, tennis, golf, football, baseball, whatever the sport is, if your goal, if your dream is to play in college, then no matter how good you believe you are. You can't just sit back and wait for coaches to pursue you. You you have to have a better game plan. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that confusion is amplified. And I'm not sure if you had this experience too. It sounded like you were in a small town as well. But for me, the expectation that was set for me around my community, and I think I mentioned this in a recent podcast, was was totally inflated. And it wasn't anyone's fault. It was just the 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 people in my community were in the same boat that I was. It was like, you know, this, this player is doing really well. He's, you know, breaking records, making all state teams and stuff. So they were expecting to see me playing in the PAC 12 the next year on TV. And I didn't, and I didn't know what, what level to aim at either. Um, But because, you know, when I got to Regis, when I, you know, through your service connected with Regis and showed up there, it was a pretty quick wake up call that, you know, the, the the type of athletes across America are much different than the type of athletes that I played against in Southern Oregon. And so, yeah, it's it's for these, of course, if you're someone who's choosing between, you know, Duke and North Carolina, you don't need to worry about, you know, marketing yourself necessarily in the same way that other athletes Correct. do. But if the majority of athletes and so many athletes who I continue to talk to are just very lost about which level to aim at, you know, are they doing enough? And one of the things that was a, a, a benefit that I didn't anticipate from using your service was that it it was kind of like a deep breath for me and my family. It was like, now we have a game plan. Now we have a roadmap. All I have to do is follow the instructions that you and your colleagues were giving me when to email coaches, what to do, what film to put together. And then I could trust that I, my name was getting out there. And then I could really refocus on performance because for a while there, it was like, you know, I'd have great games, but I was like, oh, am I, you know, how do I market this? And it was kind of just psychologically painful to think about that while the games are going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, 
So no, I, I do know what you mean. I mean, if you're a 16, 17, 18 year old kid who's never been through this process before there, there's uh, it's, it's complicated. It's confusing. It brings about a certain uh, amount of anxiety. And yeah. honestly, at the end of the day, you know, I, I tell kids and parents all the time, whether you get help or you do this on your own, yeah, you need to you need to have a good strategy in place, mm-hmm. right? Um, certainly, it, it makes things easier if if you've got some help. You know, I, I think some kids are um, a little reluctant to get help with this experience because maybe in some respects it's it's an admission that you can't do things on your own, or maybe you're not as good as you really thought you were. Yeah. Um, and, and therefore you need help. Uh, but, but look, this is a, the, the, you know, if you've never been through something before, it's, it's, it's really good advice most of the time to, you know, seek some advice and, and to, uh, turn to a professional. So, uh, yeah, I mean, clearly in your case, uh, you and your, and your family made the right decision. Yeah, definitely. So maybe you could just, you don't have to, you can, however deep you want to go into this is fine. Just maybe you could describe a little bit about what your process looks like when you first work with an athlete. What kinds of things do you do right away to set up a marketing strategy? Well, you know, as I as I alluded to earlier, it's it's not rocket science. Um, we've applied some really basic marketing principles to the college recruitment. Most of it comes down to it's much like you would, uh, you know, market a, a new product to a target audience. You know, you've got to get information out there and in front of the right people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, part of what we do is is collecting and collaborating and, and getting all of that, uh, all of that data, the things that college coaches want to know about you um, in one location. You know, college coaches, their time is extremely valuable and, and um uh, uh, you know, they're they're evaluating thousands of kids in many cases. And so, you know, the the the, the student athlete that has everything collected and put together and, and knows exactly what college coaches are looking for uh, to to aid their evaluation is certainly going to have an advantage over the kids who, you know, don't have everything together. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's akin to, you know, getting out in the job market and having having everything um, you know, ready to go for, for potential employers. Um, yeah. so, so part of it is, is simply just collecting the right information, Billy, and, and getting that ready for college coaches. And then the, the next part of course is, is actually getting that information out to college coaches. We have an active database of over 30,000 college coaches in all sports at all levels. Um, so we can target the, the, the audience that makes the most sense uh, for for that particular student athlete, and then it's really keeping that information in front of them. Uh, we typically operate, uh, you know, within 45 day intervals, meaning every 45 days we'll launch a new campaign for a student athlete. Hmm. So, in, in a 12 month period, um, we we might, you know, produce uh, eight marketing campaigns for a single athlete. You hmm. know, and so when you're when you're putting out that much information. You're, you're building that athlete's brand. Uh, you're creating familiarity with co- college coaches, and, and, and that gives athletes a huge advantage. To, to complement all of that, of course, is, is to help keep that athlete on track hmm. and to make sure that you understand what's going on and that you can measure their progress 
and 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 um, you know recommend certain uh, strategies for for the future. And so, uh, in order to do that, you have to have a, a you know you have to be personally vested in that athlete, and, and which is why we're we're very hands on. We we take a very personal approach with this. We get to know our our families on a very personal level, and so it's a combination of yes, the marketing efforts. Mm-hmm. And tracking those results, but mm-hmm. also the personal hands-on guidance and coaching that comes along with that. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's great. And I, I can attest to how we felt. We we tried a couple recruiting service before we found you, and for some of them, it felt like we just had our names stuck on a list, and nothing really came of it. It didn't help much at all. But it was really nice to work with you for someone who really asked the questions of, okay, what are you actually looking for in a school? And for me, I, you know, I was, I was getting recruited in two sports and you were nice enough to make two different profiles for me. And it just, mm-hmm. it felt like a very personalized and, you know, uh, caring relationship that we formed. And I really appreciated that. And it, it helped me a lot. So let's date the conversation a little bit, make it a little bit more current. And I know that there are no experts right now about much, anything. It's we're in kind of uncharted territory, but let's say that a parent is listening to this, a parent or a young athlete, a parent of a young athlete who is, they're looking for opportunities to play at the next level. And with the coronavirus um, still so active in America, there's just a lot of uncertainty around if sports are going to be played, what it's going to look like. I would assume that most of the normal recruiting circuits are shut down right now, which is probably limiting and opportunities for young athletes. Do you have any thoughts and or advice about how to navigate recruiting in these strange times? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, and, um, yeah, it, it's it's certainly uncharted waters for for all of us. Um, I honestly, the the best advice I can give to parents and athletes right now is to stay committed to the process. Um, certainly, none of us really know for a fact what's going to happen. I, the the general feeling is that fall sports are going to unfold. They may be modified in some respect. Um, you know, you're hearing a lot about, well, we're going to modify our schedules to an interconference schedule. We're going to start a little later. Um, some some schools have basically just said, you know what, we're uh, we're not going to have fall sport fall sports. Hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, I I think we fully anticipate change. But my recommendation for kids, because it's a common question. I probably get at least a call or two a day regarding that very that very topic. You know, what are we supposed to be doing? Um, you know, during during COVID. Uh, you know, how is this going to change my son or my daughter's college recruitment when the NCAA just extended the dead period, the recruiting dead period, uh, through August thirty first? Mm. You know, what does this all mean? There's way more questions than there are answers, Billy, but my recommendation, my advice to our clients, at least, is to let's continue to communicate, even if it feels like a one-sided conversation. Hmm. Um, college coaches are limited in, in, in what they can do right now. They can't really, you know, uh, go see kids play live. So they're resorting to, 
you know, their digital communications, um, phone and, and text and Zoom and so on and so forth. I mean, they still have to recruit. Uh, recruiting is a 365-day-a-year job. Yeah. And so my, re- my response to that is can, even if it feels as though it's a one-sided conversation, continue to put yourself out there. Continue to provide coaches updated information. Continue to research schools. Continue to ask questions. Continue to nurture these relationships with college coaches. Because mm-hmm. it's my feeling that those kids that, that continue to be proactive um, will, at the end of the day, will surface to the top. It's the kids that sit back and wait and don't do anything during this time that I feel will be at a, at a, at a, at a you know, significant disadvantage. Yeah. So yeah. that's been my advice to, to parents and, and athletes. Just, you know, keep trust the process and, and, and keep pushing forward. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like now more than ever is a good time to do digital communication and reach out. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, if, if, if there's a silver lining in all of this, it's afforded us the ability to do some things uh, that, that maybe we wouldn't have done otherwise. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great opportunity for kids to really drill down and, and research schools and, you know, ask good questions about a college's, um, you know, re- recruiting efforts and ask them about their, um, the style of offense they run and, you know, wh- where their skill set fits in. How do they measure up with other candidates? Where are they on the recruiting depth chart? Um, mm. I mean, this is, a, this is a great opportunity for kids to really, uh, you know, uh, take a, an active role in identifying the schools that, you know, present at least the, the absolute best fit. And, and so I think this is as good a time as maybe we've seen for, for kids to, um, you know, become the CEO of, of this, of this project. Yeah. Nice. And so this probably won't come out for another week or so, I guess we're recording this on July 16th. Is there, I saw something yesterday. I've been kind of following it from a distance. I'm not sure what's going on, but what is, where does it stand now for international students who will be going to schools who are that are will be exclusively online? Did that get reversed? Are they allowed to stay now? Yeah. So about a week ago, um, uh, our, our president came out and and essentially barred international students from studying here in the U.S. if their school went to you know. 100% online learning only. Hmm. Okay, as long as their their school that they were that they were already enrolled um, uh, gave them at least a hybrid uh, or or you know the ability to attend class, then they were fine. But they they were not going to um, be able to stay here in the U.S. if their school, i.e., Harvard University, for example. Um, you know, went to a, went to an online curriculum only. Hmm. Well, there was a lot of backlash. Um, yeah. In fact, a couple of schools sued the federal government. Hmm. You know, um, o- over this decision. You know, the international students here contribute a pretty um, a pretty hefty chunk of revenue here in the U.S. Um, long story short, a couple of days ago, President Trump um, rescinded that policy 
to to allow international students to to continue studying here in the U.S. Okay, well, good. I'm glad glad to hear that. Make and, and and I'll just I'll just add, Billy. Um, that was that was a big deal for many of the international kids that we work with. Mm. You know, there was a lot of uncertainties of whether or not they were going to be able to come back. We have kids in South America and, and in Europe, and uh, we have kids in Australia, and many of them were concerned that they weren't going to be able to return to to the schools that they were enrolled. And so, you know, I think this was good news for everybody. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear that, and I'm glad that schools are putting pressure on him and his administration to, to, to change that. Okay, so let's one question that I have, this is something that I didn't experience much at all because in my time as an athlete, I spent four years at the same school, and then I coached at the same university. And I, my question is about students who are looking to transfer from their current school. Maybe they're... Yeah unhappy or they're not finding the playing time that they want. I know you went through this as a player. What kind of things do you keep in mind when you're working with an athlete who's looking to transfer either to, you know, a level lower or they just don't like the coach or it's just not working out for them? How do you work with those kinds of kids? Yeah, it's, um, again, it's a complicated matter. Um, and, and you have a very, very high percentage of kids that transfer from one school to another. You know, mm-hmm. I, I attribute that to kids not having enough options coming out of high school, which, again, yeah, sort of supports the point that yeah, you should start early. You should have a plan in place that gets you communicating and getting evaluated by hundreds of college coaches nationwide yeah. um, and, and, and get, you know, position yourself for a deep pool of options so that, you know, ideally um, at the end when you're, when you're pushed to make a decision that you've got plenty of choices and that you've done your part to know exactly what's the perfect fit. Now that's not always a, that's not a hundred percent guaranteed, you know, fail proof. There there are kids that are going to find themselves in situations that, you know, didn't present themselves uh, that way when, when they made that decision. Honestly, Billy, my, my first piece of advice is to try to stick it out. Mm. What, what I mean is, is that that transition from high school to college can be brutal. Yeah. You know, even if it's a school that's relatively close to home, let's face it. I mean, you were, you remember your freshman year, it's, um, it's a wake up call yeah. and it's not always, you know, the most positive scenario that, that we envision for ourselves. And so my first advice is to stick it out that freshman year is tough you're going to get you know maybe not treated the same way that the that the upperclassmen do and and you're the new kid on the block and it's you're the first time you've ever been away from home and you know the food's not as good as mom's home cooking and (laughs) i mean it's it's a wake-up call and so my first reaction is is to hey listen don't make a, a a a rush decision based on your early experience there. Uh, they, these are life lessons that we can build. And and, and so, I, you know, I guess in the words of my father, you know, try to tough it out. Hmm. Um, I remember those phone calls home and I remember feeling totally alone. And I remember that, um, you know, wow, what did I get myself into kind of feeling? And, you know, 
I, I try to help kids understand that, hey, look, it, it's it's a common experience to experience some of those things, and and in, and and most of the time, it it, it there, there's a transition and it turns and and, and it's going to get, you know, it can't get any worse, right? It's going to get better. But, uh, you know, there are situations where a new coach comes in and there's a clash of personalities or, um, you know, it just doesn't work out. You, you thought it was going to be better than it was. And, and at the end of the day, this wasn't a great fit for you. My, my, I, I would say first start off, talk to the coach. I mean, in my experience, most college coaches, they, they, they want kids. They're, they're coaching for a reason. Okay, they have a passion for kids. And, and they have a passion for molding and developing young people. And, and my, 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 my feeling is that most college coaches are going to do their part to, to help a young man or a young lady, uh, you know, find a better home. And so start with your coach. Yeah. Now, now when you, when you want to transfer, you need to get released. There needs to be a, there's a process in place and it's different at every level, but in generally speaking, there's a process whereby you have to grant permission for other schools to communicate with you. Um, you know, that's that permission is usually granted by the athletic department at the school you're currently attending. Hmm. Um, and, and so if you foresee a certain, you know, if you foresee a situation where you're not going to stay uh, for, for an extended period of time, start with your coach, talk about that process, um, be upfront with your coach. You know, that coach developed a relationship with you. That coach recruited you. Um, start with your coach and explain to them, look, uh, th- th- this just isn't a great fit for me. I, I think I- I'd probably do better elsewhere. What's the process in place? Some schools have some conference rules where you can transfer, but you can't transfer to another school within their conference. So start with your coach. And then once you're granted permission to communicate with other coaches, you know, it's kind of like starting over again, right? Um, yeah. You know, have a plan in place uh, if you can get help. I know we, you know, we deal with with transfer students all the time, and so it's it's certainly something that's uh, uh, comfortable for us uh, to 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 orchestrate. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's when you're starting to look for a new home, and and you know, have have a real take a realistic approach to this, and you know, certainly. Try to try to collect as much data and film and information as you can. Hopefully, you're playing for somebody that is, uh, you know, has your best interests at heart, and so that coach is going to help you collect the information you need to to allow other coaches to evaluate you. But uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's not the easiest of experiences. You're probably going to lose. Uh, you know, some, some, some school credits because not everything transfers over. It's probably going to cost you some time and some money and some stress. But at the end of the day, if you're uh, really certain that, you know, that your current situation isn't the right fit for you and, and that there's, uh, uh, you know, the grass is greener elsewhere, then, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely a process in place and, and, and give yourself some time to allow for that to unfold because it does take some time. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. Yeah. As I listened to you speak about that, it really, it made me even more convinced that 
taking the time the first time around to try to find a good fit is, is such a better path. I remember that's the ideal. That's the ideal, right? I mean, you yeah. hope that you put in the time and the the effort to find that right fit. Doesn't always work that way, you know. Yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm an example of of uh, you know I certainly could have stayed at my first uh, first school and. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, 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 I felt, you know, that competitive side took over and I felt like I could, I could really contribute. And, um, and, and so, you know, you make the, and it cost me an extra year, yeah. you know, it cost me an extra year of my undergrad. It, it, it cost me certainly, um, an extra, you know, pretty good chunk in tuition, but, uh, you know, at the time it felt like the right thing to do. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, I was in a situation, I'm sure you know this, but I really struggled for the first especially the first two years, but my, my junior year was tough too. And then I, um, recovered as a senior year and, and kind of fell in love with basketball again. But midway through my second season, I was having these same thoughts. I was just, you know, the, I wasn't relating well to my coach. I was dealing with really terrible performance anxiety. I was, you know, I fell out of the playing rotation and I had these, you know, this, those calls home that you mentioned We're about talking to my dad and my, my grandparents, my mom, just about, you know, maybe I should look elsewhere. But when I actually got to the point of thinking about trying to make it happen, it was like all of that stuff comes rushing in. It's like, yeah, I'm going to lose a ton of credits. My stats are no good for these two years. So the only thing I can send anyone is high school tape. I'm not going to get a full scholarship anywhere else. So, I'm you know, ultimately that adversity and, you know, quote unquote, toughing it out, like you say, really did help me in life a lot to go through that and to come out the other side. You know, I, I, I wouldn't want to wish that on anyone else, but I, luckily I had a head coach who, although him and I didn't, you know, we didn't mesh very well on the court. He was a really, really great person who, you know, uh, kept me on scholarship when really I wasn't performing on for him at all. It could have been very easy for him to let me go based on my performance. So I'm really mm. grateful for that too. But yeah, it's just, and I don't, you know, a part of that was just me needing to grow up a little bit mentally to be ready to play at the college level. It wasn't, you know, back then I pointed the finger elsewhere entirely, mm. but now I see that, you know, as I grew up, it was like, you know, a lot of it was my own issue. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. It's easy. Yeah. It's easy to do, you know, and I don't, I, I know of very, very few uh, college students that, you know, don't, uh, we're talking about student athletes here that, that don't experience, uh, you know, a significant adversity. Yeah. I mean, that that's part of, of the, the experience and the, and the, and the life lessons and um, the, the, that growth process that experiences for all of us. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy being an athlete in college, you know, yeah. uh, and that's why there's, uh, you know, such a small percentage that do it. Yeah. Um, and, and so again, that's why I go back to, all right, it, it's, it's the first gut reaction is usually I, I want to get out of here. I need to go elsewhere. Yeah. But in, in many respects, it's, it actually makes, um, it's a better decision to stay even in the face of extreme adversity. Uh, a lot, many, many, many times that scenario uh, pans out better. And I know it's not easy. Yeah. And, and like you said, you, you certainly don't wish that you would hope that the, t the choice you make coming out of high school is the absolute perfect choice. 
Yeah. Um, but sometimes it doesn't work that way. And um, so hopefully you can stick it out. And if it's just, you know what, you've exhausted every option, then, then certainly there's there's an opportunity to transfer. Kids do it all the time, you know, but it's a process and, and there's there's certainly consequences to that decision as well. Yeah, and I, I know from experience myself and also witnessing other teammates and then people I coached and even some stories from my hometown, the whole idea of you're in this tough situation in college, it actually is this very appealing um idea to just say well i can just leave and then i don't have to worry about my coach or my status on the team i can just get out of this misery and it's it's so alluring but then yeah if you i you know i know some some really great athletes from my high school who got really really great offers out of high school and they they left in their freshman year and then ended up never really making it in college and i think you know i don't know this for sure but to many of us it was like wow that was really quick and you don't know if it was just <laughs> too reactionary and they might you know have ended up regretting it so yeah it's uh it's something to consider if you're an athlete who's really going through it to to kind of take a breath and you know because you can like like what happened to me i really grew from it and i was lucky to have yeah have the you know i was fortunate to have come around and gotten through it but but still it was i think it was really valuable to go through that i was the lowest on the totem pole you know in my my first two years and so I, I, I certainly got the, uh, the the brunt of that adversity um, yeah but you know there there's something to be said about being part of a family and yeah. and whether you're the number one guy in the rotation or the number 11 guy in the rotation you're still part of that family and and, and that's the that's the beauty of, of college athletics is that you're a part of something that's much bigger than you. And, and yeah. certainly it's guaranteed you're going to face adversity, but you, you've got, um, you know, you've got other members of the family that are there to lift you up. So, you know, no regrets at all. Yeah, for sure. So let's go into, let's finish up with some AU camps and showcases stuff. So, I'm just curious to hear your take because, you know, I've, I did some of this in high school going to playing in the AAU circuit, going to expensive camps, going to showcases, trying to market myself in this way. And I developed my own kind of bad tastes in my mouth for a lot of this stuff. And then I've, I've read different things. You know, Steve Kerr had that famous quote about AAU stuff, um, about AAU culture and, um, how it's, kind of strange subculture that doesn't really mesh well with college uh, with like team basketball and I'm obviously most connected to basketball in this way so that's what I'm familiar with but um, I'm just curious what your thoughts are or what kind of advice you give to the people the, the athletes that you work with on playing AU going to camps and showcases and then how to discriminate between positive you know uh, good uses of time and money and places where you might not be getting your bang for your buck? Well, uh, Billy, we could probably spend an entire show on this. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, so, you know, AAU and camps and showcases that you were, were probably, I mean, that we're talking about different things in some respects. Yeah. Um, I mean, the reality is that these are very much part of the fabric of, of high school sports these days, you know, kids are, are going to play travel ball. Kids are going to, um, you know, 
attend college camps and attend showcases. You got ID camps and and you've got all these things going on. And certainly we we get a lot of those questions as well. You know, which one should we attend? Yeah. Um, frankly, there, you know, some families can't afford to send their child all over the country to these events in in hopes to be seen. Yeah. Um, you know, travel soccer and volleyball and softball and you know these can these can run families in in, in the thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um, here, here's here's my take that. The, the, the first thing a family has to understand is that at the end of the day, these have to make money. Mm-hmm. Now, now, there's nothing in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, the, these are money makers first. We'll talk, you know, about showcase events or individual camps, if you will. You know, I always tell kids, listen. If you're playing because you love the game and because you want to develop your skill sets and you feel like the competition is a whole level above what you experience in high school, I'm all for it. Hmm. Um, absolutely. You know, the, the play because you love it. Play as much as you want. I'm, 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 I will say this. I'm totally against specializing in one sport. Um, and, and maybe that's a topic for another show, Yeah. but you know, not listen, if you're, if you love the, the sport of basketball and that's all you do and that's all you want to do, that's fine. Uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's plenty of, of, of science and, and there's plenty of, of, um, you know, evidence out there that suggests, Hey, kids should take some time off, play other sports because you're working different muscles. You're, you're part of a different team unit, and, and, and that has some benefits, Itself, I mean, there you you could, like I said, you could you could probably have an entire show on you know specializing in one sport and, and what that really means and how college coaches even perceive that. I know college coaches want to recruit multi-sport athletes. Yeah, and there's um, some. There's so some I, you know, sorry to interrupt you. There's some interesting data I saw. I don't know if you're familiar with this that they are actually tracking that athletes who specialize are at a higher injury risk than athletes who play multiple sports. I saw that come out of a recent study. Um, no question about it. Yeah. So, so again, I, I know I'm 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 getting off onto a bit of a tangent here, but no. my my point is this: is that one performance is never going to tell the whole story. Just like one video, uh, one highlight film is never going to tell the whole story. It's going to give coaches a glimpse um, of of perhaps your 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 skill level, your ability level. Um, when, when college coaches attend these these showcase events, um, in, in, in most cases, they already know who they're going to see. Hmm. I think there's, there's a misconception out there that these events are to get discovered. Hmm. And, and I've always tried to help parents and athletes understand, look, the majority, sure, there are some coaches there that are, are, you know, starting with a blank canvas and are there to look for kids. But for the most part, these are evaluation opportunities. And these coaches, in many cases, have been communicating with these athletes and evaluating these athletes multiple times well in advance of these events. So they're going to these events to validate what they already know. Hmm. Okay, so my, my advice is still the same. You know, if you're playing club or you're, you're – 
you've budgeted for many of these showcases that you're going to attend to understand that you know the, the 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 marketing legwork is done well in advance it's done ahead of time and that you're 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 going to these events to really validate what these college coaches already know about you that that's going to give you a, a a huge advantage over the kids who are attending these events sight unseen hoping to get discovered right yeah, yeah. It, it's it's kind of like going to an expo, you know, uh, the, the Denver Golf Expo. You know, th- these products are marketed well in advance, and the expo brings these products up close and personal with the consumer. Hmm. And that, that's that's very similar to how these showcase events go down. You know, college camps, again, these colleges have to fund their, their salaries. They have to... Um, make sure that many of their expenses are, are covered and, and, and they can do this through paying customers at camps. That doesn't mean that kids shouldn't attend them. They just have to understand that the reality of what these events are for and to understand that it's, it's never going to be one event right. that tells the entire story. Right. Yeah. And that's, that is kind of freeing too, from the athlete's perspective that, because I remember doing that too. Like my dad and I went to this expensive baseball showcase in Arizona and we had four games. And I remember just feeling so much pressure to like, oh, I've got to, you know, stand out. I've got to, you know, do something that catches the eye of a scout here. And honestly, I, I mean, it's not, a, it's not a representative sample and I shouldn't be extrapolating from one camp the whole culture. But that camp specifically felt like you know, I actually played pretty well. I had a good tournament, but I didn't interact with one scout. We did these kind of spark athletic tests where mm-hmm. they, not explicitly, but they insinuated that it would be a good idea for us to purchase equipment from Spark so that we could improve our scores for the next year. And yeah. even as a, I think I was a jun- going into junior year, I already sensed that it was kind of, felt more like a pyramid scheme than a than a, an opportunity to get noticed. And that's not to say that all camps are like this. It's also not to say that there weren't other players at the camp who did get noticed and did find opportunities. But that was an example of this was before I had a recruiting plan. We were just throwing paint at the wall and writing pretty big checks to go travel around to go try to, you know, land, talk to a college a college coach. Well, that that's what happens. And when, when you don't have a plan, you, you, you basically guess. And I know parents who've invested, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in traveling across the country and, and to, to all in the, the effort to get their child seen before they really understand, um, you know, the, the, the components of a successful plan. My, my, and what you just described, again, doesn't paint the picture for every single camp and showcase out there. But yeah, there's, there's many parents out there that feel there's a bit of a conflict of interest when they attend these, that they've sort of been, um, uh, you know, sold a bill of goods and, um, you know, all in the uh, uh, sort of, you know, spirit of recruiting, et cetera. And, And it's easy to, you know, Uh, get trapped into that. I recommend, I tell our clients to to talk to the college coaches themselves. If you're in active dialogue with college coaches, they're 
they're one of the best sources you can turn to when vetting some of these events. Hmm. You know, they're going to tell you which events they go to or which events have the best credibility. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so I think college coaches themselves are, are, are a great resource um, for, for kids and for parents. The other thing I would say, just one last final thought on that, is, is you know, when it comes to attending individual college camps, and I realize that some college camps have a, have a sort of a roster of other colleges that, that sort of, uh, you know, tag along on, on the coattails of the host school uh, and, and attend some of these events, but you know, narrow it down to the camps uh, of the schools that are already showing interest. Hmm. You know, yeah. if you're a if you're a smaller college level prospect, then it doesn't make a ton of sense unless unless you're just going to have fun and you want the experience. There's nothing wrong with that. If your family is is forced enough to be able to afford you going to you know a bunch of a Pac-12 or, or Big Ten camps, even though those camps aren't really uh, don't really align with the level of school you're probably going to end up at, that's fine. Yeah. But if you if you really want to use college camps as as part of your your recruiting strategy, then then go to the the the, the two or three camps that are showing the most interest in you. Mm. Because that's an opportunity for you to interact with their staff and to see the campus, maybe get to know some of the players and, yeah. and really visualize your experience with those. I think those can be valuable experiences for you when it comes down to, you know, narrowing down your choices. Sure. Yeah, totally. And I love what you said at the beginning, too, about it's a different thing if you're going to a camp in the hopes to get really, you know, top-notch college coaching and skill development and play with players who are better than you because there were camps – and tournaments that I did in high school that that were just that, and even though it wasn't even, I wasn't even going into some of these trying to get recruited. I was trying to push myself as a player, and I learned things to take into my own training. And so all of that is totally valuable, I think. But, but even in that realm, there are better and worse options that should probably be researched before you know flying across the country for something, right? So. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, I realize we're running up here against our cutoff. Maybe one last question to end with. So there seems like we are a lot of high school athletes, and I was no exception to this. There's this friction between chasing status, to be frank, where there's for a lot of great young athletes, people who are committed to their sports, sports become part of your identity and you you've sacrificed quite a bit of of your life in high school to develop your skill set to you know become a successful athlete you love playing sports and there's part of you at least for me and there's you know I've spoken to other athletes who have the same experience where you really want that you really want the the best front page article in your paper that you can get the best thing you can post on Instagram or Facebook but that seems to cloud or that can cloud your judgment for which is actually going to be the best fit for you at the next level. So my question is, if you're working with athletes who are in between levels or in between schools and you want them to find that first good fit so they're not transferring and they, they can have a successful four years, what kind of things do you do you tell athletes who are in those situations? Uh, that's a fantastic question. Um, I... 
personally, I, I tell kids there are there are three areas, three components of a college experience that that you're going to um, you know have in college, you know, it, and, and that is social, academic, and athletic. Mm-hmm. And if one of those three is compromised, if one of those three is not a good fit, then it, there's a really good chance that the other two could be uh, adversely affected. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So my, my advice to kids is, you know, I've always told kids, hey, look, if you have an opportunity to go be an All-American somewhere, even if it's at a smaller school, go be it. Leave your Leave your footprint on that university because – the, the, the network that you establish and the credibility that you have, the experience that you have will be unlike any other. And it will it will uh, stay with you for a lifetime. Mm. You know, we, I know as 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 young uh, men and women, we we often think about whether a school's division one, division two, II, division three. And we sort of let like you said, let that maybe cloud our judgment or if we're it certainly clouded mine. I mean, yeah. I, I, I wanted nothing to do with eight or 10 Division three schools that were in heavy pursuit of me. I would have been a perfect Division three prospect. Mm. I was undersized. I didn't throw hard enough. I was a good student. Mm. Um, and so I would have fit in really nicely with a lot of, you know, higher academic Division three schools coming out of high school. But I had this vision uh, in my mind that I was going to play with the best and I was going to be one of the best and I was going to make money at my sport someday, mm. you know, and, uh, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, however you look at it, I had extremely supportive parents who were behind me a hundred percent and, and were, you know, my biggest fans and telling me to chase my dream. And, uh, you know, they weren't, they weren't certainly trying to create unrealistic expectations, but at the same point in time, they weren't going to tell me that I couldn't do something. Yeah. Um, Having said that, in, in, in retrospect, over the last, you know, 25 plus years of, of dealing with, with kids and, 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 and knowing how important it is to find that right fit, you know, practically speaking, it's just too expensive to make that mistake. Hmm. Um, but I also know the, the, the traumas and the trials and, the, and the, the stresses that come with having to transfer to another school because you made the wrong choice. So I advise kids don't don't put the division one, two, three as the least important priority. Mm. Make sure that this school socially and academically and athletically is as good a fit as you can find because if you have those three things, then you're gonna graduate in four years and you're gonna look back and you're gonna say, Those are the best four years of my life. Yeah. I love that. What great advice. And I think it's a great place to end. So Rex, it sounds like we might need to do a part two because there are a lot of uh, threads we could have taken uh, throughout this conversation. And I want to ask you about specialization and dive more into camps and AAU culture, but let's save that for another episode sometime. Um, Really great having you on the podcast and thank you for the work you did with me and the work you're doing with the athletes who I've kind of sent your way. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Billy. It's it's an honor to uh, to do what I do, and it's certainly an honor to, to be on your show. Today. If you like the podcast, please consider subscribing to my newsletter, which you can find at billyhanson.net forward slash newsletter. 
This is the best way to stay in contact with my work, as I'll be sending out new podcast announcements along with other written content. You can also support the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, or sending the podcast to someone who you think might like it. Thank you for listening and for your support. It's a sauce.